0: I want to start with a reading from one of the letters which gives us the big picture of God. It's only a few verses right at the beginning of the letter to the Hebrews. It goes like this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors many times and in many ways through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son, He, that's the Son, is the one through whom God created the universe. The one whom God has chosen to possess all things at the end. He reflects the brightness of God's glory and is the exact likeness of God's own being. Sustaining the universe with his powerful word. After achieving forgiveness... For the sins of mankind, he sat down in heaven at the right-hand side of God, the supreme power. And doesn't that give you the big picture that God has been communicating with mankind since the beginning of time? And we've been looking at the, the whole story of God's salvation and his love, right from the very beginning, through the Old Testament, right up to the New Testament, talking about Jesus, the story of Jesus... And now we've reached the, uh, the spread of the Kingdom of God uh, through the New Testament Church. Last week we looked at Acts, and um, that's where we're going to start. Just a summary of, um, of the Acts of the Apostles. So if you can bring up uh, the presentation, that would be a blessing. And um, we, we've had one or two technical problems whilst we've uh, looked at this, but um, we're going we're to look at the New Testament letters after we've had an introduction, sorry, a summary of Acts. Um, if, I may say, if we get this, this working, it's, um, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's a summary of Acts in three minutes, which is quite something. Um, <laughs> How are we doing? Hello. <coughs> it isn't really a security alert. <laughs> That's number two. Can we have can we have number one? Yes. So, this week we're looking at the New Testament letters. Oh, okay. Um, We're going to have a summary then of the Acts of the Apostles, we hope. We'll pass on the introduction and uh, go straight on. I'm going to ask some questions. I had to, to skip that video. Um, when I come to a piece of scripture, I need to ask questions. What is this about? When it comes to the New Testament letters, I'm going to suggest that we ask three questions. What, how, and why? You can ask a whole lot more questions, but that's what I'm going to be doing, hopefully, uh, this morning. The first question, what are these? Well, they come from what we heard last week about the Acts of the Apostles. And um, as the church spread across the known world, then letters got written by the apostles, the church leaders, especially Paul, but not just Paul. Paul, Peter, James, Jude, those are the letters we've got. And a letter that we don't know who wrote it to the Hebrews. You can see on this map, uh, some of the places that uh, you'll pick up from the New Testament. Um, we all know uh, that Paul went on missionary journeys, or at least a lot of us will know that. If you were of my age, you had to kind of learn these things, as uh, Michael was reminding us last week. We had to learn these missionary journeys. So you can see on here various places that, where uh, Paul wrote letters to. What happened was this. When he planted a church he then encouraged them by either going back there or writing letters and sometimes did both. <laughs> You'll have noticed that Rome is on there um, at the, uh, the top left. I always get left and right mixed up here at uh, the top left and that's where he really wanted to get to. He eventually ended up in Rome. Um, he wanted to go to Spain and we're not too sure he may have got as far as Spain. But certainly he managed to get to Rome, and he wrote the letter to the Romans, and he wrote letters to all these other key centers, and from there churches were planted. Now, I don't know if you realize, but the letters um, well let's just uh, just move through this they started Is it going to move me on or not? Can you give me the control? Uh, let's let's move right through that Um, I don't know if you realise but uh, the letters of Paul are in a particular order did you know that the letters of Paul are in order of size what Paul's letters are yeah well that's not a very helpful thing um, necessarily and um, God didn't put them in that order so this morning, um, if this works, I'm going to try and rearrange them. Right? All of the books of the New Testament, but not necessarily in the right order. To coin an expression, <coughs> um, there is a there is method in my madness, and I'll try and explain it. Um, first of all, this is all the all of the books of the New Testament. First of all, there's Um, the type of literature which we call the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke and John familiar with that idea Um, and we put Acts with Luke because we know that he wrote both now some people think that Luke wrote his Gospel and the Acts of the Apostles as a kind of um, defence document for Paul you know Paul was in prison and he was going to be Brought to, to trial, and Luke was there in the prison with him. Some people think that Luke and Acts were the defense document. Others say, well, maybe not that, but perhaps Luke did write a defense document and he used it to write the Gospel and Acts. We're not too sure, but certainly he was very close to Paul. He was a co worker with Paul. He was a doctor. As a lot of you would know, Luke was the doctor, which was a very high position in society, and he had to give up all that, because the only way he could be in prison with Paul was if he was counted as his slave or servant, as the only other person would be allowed in prison. So he would have given up all of that, all the money that went with it, and would be with Paul in prison. So I'm going to put all of Paul's letters with Luke and Acts. Right. There's all Paul's letters. And they're not in size order, but they're in order, more or less, uh, as far as we know, the order in which they were written. Which kind of goes with the, letter, the, uh, the book of Acts, then. So you can follow, read the book of Acts, and go through the letters. Um, Mark, as far as we can see, wrote the Gospel from Peter's point of view. So we'll put Peter's letters with Mark and Jude is very close to to Peter. If you read the two letters you'll see uh, why they're put together. John's letters of course with John and um, Matthew is a very Hebrew, very Jewish gospel. So we'll put Hebrews with, uh, with Matthew. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Some people will still say Paul. We're not really clear on that. Uh, all sorts of ideas people come up with, including it might have been Priscilla. You know, Priscilla and Aquila. It's, it's a suggestion, and there's reasons for it, but we really don't know. James are put there as well because James is very much the he, a Hebrew letter, but it's not so much a letter. If you've ever read through James, you'll think, why has he put that next to that and that? And so it doesn't really follow like a letter. It's more like the wisdom literature. It's snippets, it's it's sayings, it's bits of his sermons, possibly. So that's put there with Matthew. And um, what does that look like? What does that remind you of? All of that shape? Surely it's the cross. It's centered on Jesus. And all of these books we call them in the New Testament centre on Jesus they're either describing the life of Jesus or they are talking to the churches following on from Jesus first coming uh, one's missing and uh, that's for next week that's the, the book of Revelation so we've got what happened around the life of Jesus the Gospels what happened for, for the church as it developed Acts and the letters and what is going to happen in the future so they live between the first coming and the second coming of Jesus and so do we and that's why we're going to be reading the. I want to encourage you to read the letters because they're so relevant to people between the first coming and the second coming of Jesus like we are now (laughs) I want you to think, as we look at some bits of uh, the letters after our coffee break, Um, imagine you are either at home or on a train or in in Tesco's or something and someone receives a phone call. I'm sure you've never been in this situation. Yes, you have. Um, And someone gets this, like, yeah, I'm in Tesco's. I'm in Tesco's. Uh, no, put the cat out when you've done that. Or whatever, And you get half of a conversation. Yeah, You've been there. You, you kind of guess what's happening, but you're really not quite sure on some things. And you wonder uh, who Frederica was and why she had to end up like she did. Um, half of a story, and that's a bit like that when we read the letters. Sometimes we don't know exactly what was happening when Paul was writing, or Peter was writing, to these people Um, we need to do some detective work to find out that's the uh, that's the kind of shape I've got with these letters it also happens during coffee breaks if you're walking around with a cup of coffee you sometimes get a snatch of someone else's conversation not that I'm encouraging you to earwig on other people's conversations but it does happen doesn't it accidentally uh, that you hear a few words and you think hmm, I wonder what that's about bear that in mind as we take our, our coffee, tea, uh, squash break and when you hear the um, the music group start to play again, please will you get back to your seats thank you to the, uh, the music group who are going to um, end the service with a couple of songs as well, we're going to pray now Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you that we are free to come here to worship today. Thank you for that privilege. We ask that we will not take that for granted as we look around the world and realise how our brothers and sisters in so many countries are persecuted for their faith restricted or even uh, give their lives because they own the name of Jesus even today even this week scores of Christians being slaughtered because they are Christians and Lord we thank you for that privilege of meeting here today to worship you we ask that we will be aware of you here as we are gathered aware of you in our hearts and lives aware of you as we leave this building aware of you at work in other people may we respond to what you are doing there and we pray today not only for ourselves not only for our sisters and brothers in other parts of the world who are suffering because of their faith, but we pray for leaders of countries, leaders of communities, leaders of towns and cities. We ask Lord that you will give wisdom, insight and courage to do the right thing for people who are leaders in this town and in this county we pray for our new prime minister and the new government we ask lord that if they are heading for something which does not honor you that you would change their minds that they would decide to do what is right in your sight we pray that too for the troubled countries of the world so many come across our screens we don't see them again or we see them time and time again and we get kind of numb to it Lord we bring those countries to you and and beg for mercy for them we pray this week for our sisters and brothers in Turkey in the the troubles that have been happening there Lord you will help them to not only uh, have wisdom not only have the courage to do the right thing, but that they will not be afraid to own the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word, Lord, and we ask that we will understand more from the Bible today and every day. We thank you for Jesus, for who he is, and for what he's done. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this is where we got to. Um, the letters fit into the New Testament. And it's, it's well worth reading a letter right the way through. You know, if I gave you a letter that somebody had sent me, um, and you said, oh, that sentence is interesting, I'll just cut that out and put it on a poster on the wall, and I won't bother with the rest of it, I'd think that was pretty silly. I don't know about you, but that's not how we read letters. I think it's a really good idea to read right through a letter. And if you're a bit afraid of doing that, when you look at how long Romans is, or 1 Corinthians, go to one of the shorter ones. I mean, some of them are like postcards, rather than letters. One of John's letters, right down at the end of of the New Testament, uh, 3 John, it's called, You, you... might find it difficult to find it, except you get one John, then two John. Um, <laughs> uh, it's so short, I mean, it's only half a page in this Bible. It really would probably fit on a postcard. So it's only going to take you the time it, makes, it takes to make a cup of coffee. Right? Have a quick read through and think that's a letter that was sent hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Who was it written to? I wonder. What was going on? What can we find out about this? How does it apply today? Now some of the letters are easier to work out because we read the book of Acts go with it. Some of them, not so easy. And we may need to do, as I said, some detective work to uh, to find out. And um, there are lots of good ways to help. Can I just say, alongside that business of reading a letter as a letter i'm quite keen on ignoring chapter and verse because those numbers that are stuck in there get in the way and you might go oh but it's the bible well no it was hundreds and hundreds of years later after the bible was put together that these chapters and verses were put in there they're very useful for reference so i can say to you you know one corinthians chapter 10 verse three or something like that and you can find it or you can look it up on your app or your iPad, or wherever it is, useful reference, but it's not part of the original Bible. So ignore those. Ignore the headings that the, the Bible compilers have put in there, that modern um, printing and, and editing and so on. Ignore all that. Just go for the letter as a letter. Read it through, and then go back and try and work out some of the things that puzzle you. That's my recommendation. We had a look at that question, what? What are the, um, the letters? And then the second question is how? Well, I've already said, read them as letters. They have similar challenges to ours. Uh, they're living in that time between the first and second coming of Jesus. So we have similar lessons to learn. And, um, you know, God speaks today. We, we, we call this God's word as it's how God speaks. And if this is God's word, we should stop and pay careful attention. I, um, over my years, I've spent three separate weeks with uh, the Anglican Franciscan friars. And uh, some of you will know them out at, um, uh, near Surinabbos, the uh, the mother house there and uh, one of the things that really struck me it was quite a shock actually I was only 16 I think when I was there first of all in their uh, service that they had in their little chapel Um, and they seemed to have lots of different people taking part like we do here, doing different things and one person would would read this and one person would do that and so on, someone would pray and um, someone read a bit of scripture and then I thought, hello, someone's missed their cue, because there was a kind of silence, a gap, and then they carried on into something else and communion and another reading, and then there was this gap. I thought, oh, someone else has missed their cue, you know, and so I had a word with people afterwards, and I said, who was supposed to be doing something there? They said, no, no, didn't you notice that was the Bible? it's God's word and we take it very seriously every time the Bible is read we stop and listen it's so important that we take it seriously and that was great to hear how Kira has been encouraging the young people to get into the Bible take this book seriously Um, I've put 2 Peter 3 up there it's useful, references like this 2 Peter 3, Um, Peter says some very interesting things in his second letter to do with scripture. Let me read you this. He says, bear in mind our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him he writes the same way in all his letters speaking in them of these matters. His letters, listen to this, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Mm -hmm. Which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Two things then, obvious things. First of all, Peter says effectively Paul's letters are scripture. Paul's still alive. Well, yeah. And, uh, the, he's regarding his stuff as scripture. Second thing is, he's admitting some of it's hard to understand. So we need to work at it. We can't just say, oh, there's these three or four words together, and I'll make it, make, make it apply to my life how I want it to. We've got to do some work. Help is available. <laughs> so, we're on the question, how? I wonder, would it help if you had a summary of the letters? I did think of having a summary of every single one. I could imagine everyone going, struggling to stay awake. Um, Rather than summarising each one, I thought long and hard, how could I summarise all of it in three lines? Would you like to see that? Three line summary of the New Testament letters without the aid of a safety net. First line. Be reconciled. That's the first thing. Time and again we get this. Romans chapter 5. He says to the Romans, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life he's saying we were enemies now we can become friends with God be reconciled be reconciled to God be friends with God and also time and again he writes to the different churches about reconciling Christians to each other. This is this is the first century, new churches, and he's able to write to them to say, sort it out, yeah. Because of Jesus, get your act together. Restore those broken friendships. Be reconciled. That's the first thing, and then secondly, uh, live as reconciled people. Now you may say that's just what you've said. Well, I think it's more than. That, I believe it's the whole of our Christian living. is in the light of that reconciliation. In the light of all that God has done in Christ, on the cross, how should we live now? In thought and word and deed. In the light of the fact that he's coming back, and all of this stuff that we see is going to be destroyed, how should we be living now? That's what the letters say. Live as reconciled people. And the third line, I've already said really, in the light of eternity. These people were expecting Jesus to come back any time. In fact, some of them said were saying that he'd already come back And Paul had to correct the mistake. He said, no, not yet, but Jesus is coming back. So live a holy life in the light of that, in the light of eternity. Be reconciled, live as reconciled people in the light of eternity. Yes, I know there's a whole lot more, but I believe that gives us a framework and we can look at that we moved into, um, into our house in Weymouth last year and um, people knew we, we were moving in with this ginormous moving van blocking the, um, uh, the close that we're in all this stuff coming off the van and, and I'm going I wonder why we're still keeping that but where are we going to put it oh put it in the garage and um, boxes and boxes, all this stuff, so moving in, and um, now we're, we're making some changes to the building it's under construction <laughs> if you come our way you will know what I'm talking about um, it's a building site and I'm kind of thinking that might be a picture of the kingdom that is going to be set up by Jesus when he comes back, or the whole kingdom it's kind of moving in now and it's under construction now so we're in this in between, it's not we have nothing of the future at all but we're in an overlap and when we step in when we become Christians we step into the kingdom and work out this in betweenness we're becoming more like Jesus that's the aim become more like Jesus as we move towards eternity. So we had, uh, what are they? How should we read them? There's a whole lot more we could say there. Uh, But why? And I want to focus down here just for a moment on some examples. When I was a pastor, I used to get people coming and asking me, all kinds of things or sharing all kinds of things and seeking, um, seeking help. Particularly, I would say these two things. Looking for peace and looking for guidance. They were often what people were seeking. Peace and guidance. And I want to read to you a few verses on these themes. Philippians... The church at Philippi had this letter go to them and there, there's several things about peace but I just want to read you one little paragraph that ends with and the God of peace will be with you. Huh? Now we might think that this is going to be some super spiritual thing or some amazing... Mm, Practical task to do in the community or something like that, which is great, but that's not what he's talking about here. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Then do what I've told you to do, and the God of peace will be with you it's about thinking seems strange well I'm going to read to you from Romans chapter 12 which we had last week as well Um, the beginning of Romans chapter 12 he says this therefore I urge you sisters and brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God which is your spiritual worship Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mould but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know the passage, some of you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. If you want to know what God's will is be renewed in your mind he says. Now it struck me that we often don't talk about our thought life. We often talk about doing things and we often talk about saying the right things but we don't often talk about our thought life but the Bible has lots to say about our thought life and our thought life is well, we are what we think, someone said. It is so important. It 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 feeds what we say and it leads to what we do. And... um Time doesn't allow you to go into a whole lot of references that I could bring you. I put James four there as an example. Could look it up later. But let me give you one example of thought life which troubles people, and that is temptation. I've talked to people who get really troubled by temptation and uh, I guess I would number myself among them we all actually get tempted but I wanted to bring you good news that temptation is not a sin sin is a sin temptation is wanting us to sin right? it's, it's trying to draw us into sin I think it's a Chinese proverb isn't it you can't stop the birds flying over your head but you can stop them nesting in your hair. Is that right? If you've got some. And um, well, one version says you can't stop them nesting in your beard. Uh, that's for um, for those who go in for beards, as I used to. Um, so, yeah, birds flying over. We have a lot of those. The seagulls woke me up again at five o'clock. Uh, you can't stop them flying about, but when they get in your hair, it's your responsibility to do something about it. So, temptation is not a sin, but we do have responsibility to do something about it. Here's some more good news about temptation. In Hebrews 4, we find that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are. I'm going to say he was tempted in more ways than we are. He was tempted to the very, very limit, but didn't sin you know he was sweating drops of blood in in the garden gethsemane before he was arrested why was that because he was struggling with what was going to happen i t- if possible take this away lord he was he was not it wasn't just an easy peasy walk in the park thing he was tempted Yes, we, we know the temptations of Jesus, you know, the turning the, the stones into bread and all of that. It doesn't say that the Satan left him and never came back. It says Satan left him for another opportune time. He kept coming back, I think. He wanted Jesus to fail. <coughs> Temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted, and that's, that really helps me to know that. And thirdly, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 it says for every temptation there is a way out provided there's an escape route but the responsibility is ours to take it we don't say oh well, that, that's only a temptation that's fine I'll just dwell on that for a moment don't do that you'll miss the way out what you'll do is you'll, you'll train your mind to stay on that and go down that route again next time further and further and miss the way out so that's an example of why we should read the New Testament because it touches on things which are really important which are not always talked about in, uh, in Christian circles even not often talked about it in any circles. These bits of good news are only because of God's grace, God's undeserved favour, His crazy love, as someone put it. Um, last year, uh, probably the first service we came to was an all-age service. And Joe and Kira were running it. And as we came in, we were given a piece of Play-Doh. Do you remember that one? Yeah, strange, isn't it, the things that you remember? A bit of Play-Doh for everyone as they came in. And um, as the service developed, I was was deeply touched in my heart through what was going on. The children were taking part, the young people were taking part, uh, everyone was taking part... And we heard, although I don't think we had this expression, we heard about who we are in Christ. The riches of being in Christ. That's using biblical expression. It's just amazing. And that expression, in Christ, is a New Testament expression, particularly Paul uses that in his letters. To be in Christ. To dwell on that idea. I mean, that's several sermons, if you want it but that's a fantastic idea and that the riches, the treasure of being in Christ every time I find something that's amazing I look at it as a box of treasure and look for the key to unlock that treasure and the key to unlock that treasure is grace God's grace that's uh, another New Testament theme all by itself And one i like to dwell on. Um, I could talk to you about that. But instead I'm going to show you hopefully a video um, from some American guys um, called the Skit Guys. If you don't get on with American accents you have to concentrate extra hard. There's only a few minutes and it's on the theme of grace. Are you able to do that for me? Please.
1: Grace is God's unmerited favour for us. His crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, Yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out, you know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly, she was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty, and she said that the, there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay, is risen. And so, me and John, we tell it down there, and if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is, it is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good at words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do. And you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, the yeah. angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He has risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said him. what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. To the disciples, and Peter, you said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that, because that night people kept coming up to me, asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, no, what I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace.
0: Could the music group come and uh, join me on the stage? Jesus is shown there as saying what I did on the cross is supposed to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable it's not because we've done something to earn the forgiveness it's because he loves us and he loves us because he loves us that's it God's grace grace We are to be reconciled with God. Look at that friendship with God. We are to live as reconciled people. And uh, all of that in the light of eternity. We're going to close with a couple of songs which are about us being available to God as a result of his grace and goodness.